This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. So, Jason, you know, I, I don't think this is food related. I, I heard from a source that you were turned up in Highland Park last night. Is that true or false? I went to friend of the show, Sam Jane's house, um, but I did not get turned up. I had a couple glasses of wine and a, and a yuzu beverage. <laughs> there was nothing else consumed that would make you feel like this? Well, I did eat some Mexican food yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was probably... Not the best thing to put in my in my body, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I felt fine up until literally 10 minutes ago. Are you saying that the thought of podcasting with me makes you sick to your stomach? <laughs> because that's kind of what it's starting to feel like. I don't know. Like I was feeling, maybe it was like 20 minutes ago, half an hour ago, I was feeling really cold and then I had the heater on and I had like a jacket on and then, then I got too hot. And I think just like going back and forth from the cold and the hot lately, Mm-hmm. it always it always gets me fucked up that's like the number one thing that makes me sick you're such a sensitive cat i am very in in tune with temperatures and now that um my life partner is out of town in new york i was talking about this with sam yesterday like before you're like all right my chick's out of town mm-hmm. I'm, I'm about to hit the club i'm gonna go to parties mm-hmm. i'm gonna go do whatever the hell i want and then when you're older and in a relationship, you're like, oh, shit, I get to watch whatever I want on TV without asking somebody if they're in the mood for this. Get to eat whatever food you want without having to be like, are you in the mood for this? Yeah. You know, I want that. I want I want soup tonight. Oh, I don't want to eat fucking soup for dinner. You know, all that shit. So you have COVID again is what you're saying. <laughs> Somehow this is the third time you've gotten COVID and you don't even live in New York or go to, you didn't even go to a Buzzfeed party this week. So I don't know how you would get this. Uh, I don't know either. I was Sam, Sam's girlfriend, I believe was, did not go to the Buzzfeed party, but I know everyone who went did get COVID. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, for once in my life, I'm glad to be left off of the invite list for the Condé Nast holiday soiree. I was ready to fly back, but I don't, I don't, I don't have any symptoms mm-hmm. um and i don't think i've ever had covid i found that impossible but sure i know right it doesn't make no sense but i've been tested four thousand times well i'm actually i'm i i'm i'm sorry we had to start the show this way because i was going to talk to you about some of your investments oh okay well i just wanted to see how much crypto you had because this this melania trump nft is launching Okay. <laughs> and I was I was thinking it could be a good investment for you. This is a this is an investment that I haven't seen yet. It's breaking kind of it's breaking today. Much like the the uh COVID media variant is what they're calling it on uh newyorkmagazine.com. Okay, so tell me tell me what this Melania Trump NFT consists of. Mm. Does anybody know? Is it has anyone seen it? Hold on. Is it an audio based NFT, video, <laughs> image? Do you think it's some sexy picture of her when she was younger? Uh, 
Um, Melania Trump launches her own NFT platform in first public endeavor since the White House. It's not just a, it's a platform. Oh, okay. It's called Melania's Vision. Okay. It embodies her passion for the arts and it will support her ongoing commitment to children through my Be Best initiative. So this is all fake. So basically, this is money laundering. I forgot about Be Best. I, I also forgot. <laughs> also forgot about that I, I guess since she can't like sell illegal weapons through her cousin anymore she's had she's <laughs> she's had to kind of kind of get into a technology-based platform that'll allow her to stay home with uh you know your lookalike baron shout out to big b do you th- my king do you think big barons had sex oh yeah do you think so Big baron has definitely had sex yeah yeah i mean he doesn't have a massive body count but you know <laughs> He's very, very similar to a cousin Greg style person. Yeah. Um. And damn, you know, I know that cousin. You're right. Far from a stick. Far from a stick man. But if you know, gun to your head, if you're like, has has cousin Greg ever been deflowered? You know, most people <laughs> be like, yeah, probably at some point in his life, he had some weird sex a few times. You know. Yeah. No. It's- and same thing for Baron. Even though, I mean, isn't Baron like? A little on the young side, though. He's a little on the young side, but I think that obviously he's in the spotlight. You know, other his his peers are probably like, "Damn, I could maybe go into the White House if I if I meet this dude." You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. he's got big feet. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yeah, so that's smart of Melania. Why why buy the train when you can buy the rails? And that's investment 101. No, it's investment 101. So I I didn't know she was such a a, a bullish investor on the forefront of these emerging technologies and um mm-hmm. you know i would love to hear her say say blockchain in her accent so i'll wait <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll wait for that she thought the block was something different and <laughs> yeah yeah wait we spell block b-l-o-c where i come from <laughs> i don't understand why there's a k on the end of this she's like i i do <laughs> have a company that builds chains for prisoners but <laughs> you you're saying you put them onto block oh shit i have a i have a chain startup you're like oh what do you guys do uh you know mostly stainless steel but we have some aluminum as well as sustainable one as well maybe that's what melania should really start getting into is sustainable handcuffs shackles yeah i i I, melania trump is on the forefront of biodegradable um handcuffs and batons uh because she is (laughs) she is in tight with of course the police department the fbi from her time in the white house so it's she's able to kind of kind of get some government contracts we're trying to get how long gone would love a government contract so if you guys out there you know work with any we we could be we could do something for you guys and we're happy to clean the money through uh how long gone llc no problem. Yeah, there are. I, I remember um, Dan Allegretto when he was on the podcast. He was he was asking us if we were sponsored by some various government weapons yeah, contracts yeah, yeah, yes, and some yes. some some skunk works black ops style mm-hmm. um, you know weapons manufacturers and we had a laugh mm-hmm. but the joke's on him because we're looking to sign some contracts in 2022 and i don't care how much blood is on our hands you know, you know what i mean it's nothing for me public facing we'll just say aerospace but you know th- those who know know that mm-hmm. you know we're not we're not building uranium plants we're just kind of building like the the little screw that you have to screw the uranium onto the warhead. Yeah, exactly. We, yeah, exactly. We want to be responsible for that one necessary part that you can't bomb someone without. But 
if you get yourself one of those uh, extremely durable, uh, thick threaded, uh, how long gone screws, <laughs> your your warhead will hit its target, no questions asked. We we guarantee. And that's it. and 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 shout out to a friend of the show, Benjamin Edgar, who helped us. It's a collab. <laughs> we collaborated yeah, with yeah, him. A, yeah, exactly. He milled it himself. Actually, I was so inspired by his uh, incense holder. I was like, do you mind? <laughs> do you mind? Do you mind making some screws for us to help war criminals? And he said, "Absolutely." Um, yeah, that's, one, that's one, why we're friends. <laughs> that's why we're friends. Once, once we saw his his forged CNC milled incense holder, we were like, "Yo, let's do." Uh, I'd love to pick your brain about uh, <laughs> about some other items. You know, right now we're calling them home goods, but mm-hmm. some some yeah. other items. He has the technology. He has the eye for it. Instead of asking him for his factory connects, we decided it would be better and more tasteful to just do a straightforward collab. You know what I mean? Because you don't ever, you don't really, you can't really ask people for their sources when it comes to production. It's kind of poo-pooed on. Uncouth. It's uncouth. So there is a nice profit split. Ben, ben is, of course, lining his uh, Benjamin Edgar um, jean pockets with some... <laughs> Nice green ducats provided by How Long Gone and all of our deep connections into the military state of the United States. And shout out to the whole Raytheon family, baby. <laughs> yeah. And also shout out to the Raycon family. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't, I wouldn't want to forget because I'm using Raycon earbuds right now to record this podcast. Yeah. This holiday season, give the gift of Raycon. This isn't even sponsored. This is just my love of earbuds. Yeah. For, yeah. For the Apple uh, AirPods, if you buy them now, are you going to get them before Christmas? Eh, mm. Probably not. Uh, supply mm. chain issues that's a whole thing but but raycon they don't even know what a supply chain is no they're they're already like if you go to their website they're already like this doesn't ship like period <laughs> so you know taking a page out you of, get this taking a page out of soldier boy's book exactly i mean soldier boy did everything first um he probably had a government contract before we will yeah soldier's been buying the rails not riding them Leaving us in his wake. You know, I feel I feel pretty good today. Actually, I had to I had to do a. Didn't you um, get a little rehab PT from an old friend of the show? I went to Burbank and I tapped in with the goat pickle Rick, uh-huh. and he <laughs> that motherfucker. I bought. By the way, I noticed his forearms. Bro, he's he's jacked. My God, his forearms look like my calves, and I know you guys have seen those because I wear shorts as often as possible in every photo, and you love to comment on my sock tan line. <laughs> Pickle Rick put his motherfucking thumbs in me, mm-hmm. um, and it was a nice, you know, quick two and a half hour session. Rick, if anything, go, he goes rounds. No, he goes rounds. Rick, he doesn't. He doesn't stop when the timer goes off. He stops when the job is done. And America needs more of that. Exactly, that's something to aspire to. But yeah, my my ankle is. I think it's feeling better. I mean, like a day or two after that, your body, I feel like, is a little bit in shock from the intensity of the whole thing. Of course, but of course. I had a, I had a rare hunter after dark session last night because my work schedule was just too packed. Because mm. <laughs> um, we 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 did some we did some uh taping yesterday oh yeah we um, did in the in the in in the morning at an iconic uh hollywood institution uh amoeba records um which was very fun for both of us i think i i think that jason was in a little bit of a foul mood but once uh he found sublime on vinyl i could see him perking up is that fair to say that's fair to say i was in a i was in a foul mood not to not to bring it back but because of supply chain issues um what oh really uh, you know Adele eating up all the vinyl processing plant mm. real estate mm. I was you couldn't get that Jack you couldn't get that new Jack White on gatefold and I know that's upsetting oh uh, yeah only the old stuff uh but 
you know, the, the we we filmed Amoeba, What's in Your Bag, where you go around the record store, you pick out a bunch of records. You know, they could be old favorites, they could be new ones you're trying to check out, and you kind of talk about them, add some anecdotes and things like that. Add some add color, Jason, in stores tomorrow. Yeah, the whole point of it is to add some color. But every every time I would be like, oh, I want to look, I want to pull up this record, pull up this record. They they never had the one record from the artist that I wanted. So yeah, they didn't have Sam's town by the killers, which did kind of cut me off at the knees, but I was able to recover, you know, maybe because it's Christmas time and the mm. holiday vinyl shopping has the, <laughs> yeah. has the shelves cleared out. I don't know what it is. You know, maybe we should have done this earlier, but it was, it was tough for me to find a bunch of stuff that I wanted to speak on, but I was able to pull through, like you said, sublime was available on vinyl 100 150 gram weight of course it was 46 dollars. we won't give away any any more of the any more of the the picks but it'll be on on youtube uh january 10th is what they're telling us i think we're coming right after friend of the show snail mail yeah first the financial times now a record store Mm -hmm. so the the reign of press it, it continue, continues. Thank, thank you to to Nick over at uh, over at um, the New York Magazine Corporation for naming us a runner up uh, for the top ten podcasts of the year because I guess that since we're not uh, Ezra Klein or um, <laughs> you know true crime, it can't be that interesting. Which I understand. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe next year we'll make the actual list if we talk more about Selena. Uh huh. Yeah, of course. Or or we just talk more monotone and more boring. I think maybe that's something we should we should kind of work on. Yeah, you know. But much like um, you know many other recording artists, your favorite Frank Ocean, Drake as well. You know they're pulling out of the the Grammy nomination. Yeah. You know system. They're sort of rebelling against that, and we're kind of the same way. We don't really want to be on. You know the top ten lists, especially the ones that are a little. I mean, New York Mag, Vulture, like that's cool, but there's so many other lists where it's like this institution that has nothing to do with us thinks the best ten. I disagree are. with you. I I love institutions. I would love to be nominated for a spoken word Grammy, and thank you to New York Magazine. I really care about being <laughs> on your list. Um, sorry that laid back TJ thinks that the Orange County Register is the only paper of record um, but some of us do care about the accolades and and recognition from esteemed publications full of gatekeepers and I am one of those people you know much much like the Oscars and the Grammys like nobody who really it, it's all sort of like don't a, compare a podcast to her <laughs> like when you when you see who who actually wins these awards it's sort of like oh we're 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 kind of shedding light on on something that needed needs to be shed upon you know like it's not necessarily the best movie of the year but you know they deserve it you know and i don't disagree with any of that i think the the a beautiful part about awards for things like that is to you know help signal boost you know a film or or a director or an actor or whatever who mm-hmm. is ni- never going to be as successful as you know a Tom Cruise or an Angelina or whatever it is so at least they can get this something and a lot of other pods out there need that more than us because we've yeah frankly just been killing it. it's been really cool <laughs> it's been really cool uh no but we appreciate New York magazine um the financial times story about a podcast based around friendship uh is out in print this weekend and luckily i'm a subscriber so i'll uh, i'll have a copy of that to share with you jason i don't think you're a subscriber of the financial times chris are, are you being facetious or is that no no no. I, no I subscribe to the weekend for the how to spend it supplement it's one of the best magazines being made today 
not a joke. Oh, I, be- I I believe it. I believe it. How to spend it? What is that? It's the supplement of the. It's it's the it's the it's the how Financial Times uh, version of T Magazine, basically edited by okay. Joe Ellison. Um, there's some great stuff in there uh, every week. Mm-hmm. Some you know the financial guys, you know they like to have a little fun too, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. We made all this money. We got to spend it somehow, right? Exactly. They keep cocaine in business. <laughs> you should check out this uh, my my 38 foot Chris Craft. You know, check one of those out. All the new helicopters are coming out this year. No, you're thinking you're thinking of the Rob. Rep- that's a different magazine actually uh oh, but okay. you can you can check that out at the barnes and noble at at the grove next time you're over there damn i was just there a couple of days ago at cheesecake we should we should introduce our guest today though because we're you know we're, we're crossing the ocean yet again and mm-hmm. we're tapping into the worst city in the world berlin it's a tr- transatlantic voyage <laughs> it is a transatlantic voyage our boy sven schumann uh is the co-creator and co-editor i guess of the talks which is a great interview website that's been around for quite a while and they get everybody under the sun to talk to them and it's it's uh it's been a favorite of mine for years they have a new book out no ideas final quotes from the creative voices of our time uh and that is with fidon and that is available everywhere you buy books now and yeah when when we say they've that he's talked to everyone truly everyone we were like hey man like what is the way that you would like get some new audience members new listeners when you're starting out a pod and he's like oh yeah i guess you know we had like you know mick jagger that was like a good one and we're like what the fuck yeah yeah what the fuck bro but no i mean Sven is quite charming you'll see yeah he's a good sport a good guy interviewed a lot of food people you know francis malman otelengi this is one of my favorite guys because i have a few friends like this where i'm checking out the instagram scroll down a little bit and you know it's him at 16 in a Stephen klein shot product campaign mm-hmm. you know because you're like damn this guy looks pretty good for his age and you're like oh this guy was professionally hot when he was younger and he's aged gracefully into it and that's something that unfortunately um was not available to me the the model to interviewer pipeline yes yeah exactly is is a <laughs> is a pipe that you did not have access to no 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 that i i had to call a plumber and he said i'm sorry we can't work on this <laughs> Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's uh, cross the pond and we'll uh, we'll talk to Sven. All right, Jason, I want to talk to you about uh, David Smith. Uh, he's got a new show opening at Hauser and Worth in New York at the 22nd Street location. Uh, if you're not familiar with David, uh, he is one of the most influential, innovative artists of the 20th century, mostly known for sculpture. But this guy was doing his best work in the last five years of his life, which is uh, <laughs> kind of what I'm hoping for myself. <laughs> and just to be clear, his best work was done back in the 60s. It's important to note when, when he did pass away. It is away. important to know, but the sculptures are very interesting. They're cool. Show closes April 13th. No one thing. David Smith, late sculptures at Hauser & Wirth 22nd Street Gallery. Seven of the artist's most important sculptures from the very final years. These are very important sculptures from his final years. And as much as you want to touch them, they are look, but do not. Mm-hmm. Don't make us look bad uh, is kind of is kind of what we're saying. Don't go in there and start knocking stuff over. <laughs> uh, David Smith uh, is now open at Hauser & Worth in New York at the 22nd Street location. And it closes on... April 13th. Got it. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Jason, hair thinning impacts a lot of us. Uh, In fact, 
Over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. Yeah. It's not only common, Jason, it's normal. Mm -hmm. So I think it's time to join the over 1 million people who are doing something about it thanks to Nutrafol. Hair thinning is complicated. Uh, and the problem is it's actually much bigger than your hair alone. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health, mm. um, which if that's the case, Jason, then you're in top physical condition. Uh, <laughs> internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly Thicker, you know I like them thick, stronger hair. It's all connected, your body. It's all connected. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code HOWLONG. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N U T. R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code how long. This episode of How Long Gone is brought to you by Booking.com. That is Booking.yeah. Booking.com offers so many possibilities across the U.S. Uh, from relaxing beach resorts, which you know I, I love and I'm a big fan of, love to bake in the sun, to remote mountain cabins, we can go up there and work on your kind of acoustic album. Mm. The multitude of choices across the beautiful United States of America on Booking.com allow you to book whoever you want to be. I, Jason, you know me. I, I'm a different version of myself depending on where I'm traveling and who I'm with. You know, I mean, it's always baseline. Oh wow! It's baseline, Chris. Diva alert! It's baseline, Chris. But when I'm in Australia, it's different. But in the U.S., if I go to Florida, if I go to Georgia, if I go to California, if I go to Wyoming, you know, I, I'm going to switch up my swag a little bit. Oof! I can only imagine. I I just recently used Booking.com to take a little uh, post V-Day trip up into wine country, hmm. and I can't wait to see who I will be when I am there. So book whoever you want to be on Booking.com. Booking dot yeah. Sven, how are you, bro? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Where are you coming to? Is what what part of Europe are you in? I'm in Berlin. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! We Berlin's an ongoing topic on this podcast because it's it's the my least favorite city in the world. In the world, <laughs> that's <a big> famous. <laughs> globally, in the entire in the entire planet. That may be that may be that may be a little bit of an overstatement, but I, I didn't I didn't have a good time there. But we've equated that to my age and lack of partying um, as as two of the major issues that I had. But are you you're not from there, are you? No, I'm not from here, but I've lived here for the last, I don't know, 15 years or so. But I assume if this is the worst city you've ever been to, you've never been to any other city in Germany then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. Good, now you, make a good, you make a good point. You make a good point. So, okay, so Chris Chris thinks Germany is the worst country on the planet. Berlin just happens to be a popular destination in that country. <laughs> yeah, well, so what? rank your worst German cities for us, if you don't mind. I actually don't know that many because i literally never really traveled around it's like i grew up in munich okay and um munich is really pretty but super conservative i thought munich was like kind of chic though on the low is that is that not true yeah in a really conservative kind of way what do you mean by conservative do you mean they're like republicans or do you mean like no, everybody's a little buttoned up i think it's more like aristocrats you know like it's like full cool. of yeah it's not that cool <laughs> <laughs> 
this is all cons- conservative chic is literally Chris's Twitter bio. So none of the no, stuff no, you're no, none of the stuff you're saying is derogatory at all to him. I know you think this is bad, but what you're telling me is sounding pretty good. So continue. What's the winter like? What's the winter like in Munich? You know what I mean? Really sell me on it. It's actually the winter is much better than here. Here the winter is like it's gray and cold and dark like it's yeah, basically like yeah. bright for like four hours a day and the rest of the time it's uh, it's pretty depressing while there you at least get some snow like a couple times a year i would say yeah. and you get like the the actual like sky comes out but besides that and you get a lot of people with like woolrich colds that would be munich you seem like the kind of guy who's pretty good on the slopes is that a safe assumption to make <laughs> not really not entirely i mean i used to go skiing when i was a kid but I have not, I somehow, I can't get myself to like make the effort of going somewhere, getting all the gear, getting dressed, being cold, all of this kind of like sound. I think the gear is the fun part. I thought you, you know, you, you strap the skis on top of the Porsche, you know what I mean? You throw the, <laughs> you throw the helmet and the Gucci goggles in the, in the passenger seat. And you just head up to the mountain. I don't see what the problem is here. I mean, I have two mm-hmm. kids. So think about going to the mountains oh. into the snow with those. Forgot it. Damn, bro, you got two. You got man. We got we have we got a couple dads in a row on this podcast, man. Jesus Christ, what two? You got two kids. You don't look that old either. I gotta say, you look good. You look young. Yeah, and they're like eighteen and forty nine. No, I'm just kidding. And they're <laughs> <laughs> no, they're still pretty small. They're only like eight and five. You look like you had your eight year old when you're maybe ten years old because you you look yeah, about I was, eighteen. I was a really early bloomer. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, in Europe, Jason, they 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 look at sex differently. They kind of start a little younger than us drinking ages earlier fucking ages earlier <laughs> those two things those two things might be intertwined if you really think mm-hmm. about it jason you know what i mean sometimes i get all fucked up and i'm like i gotta start a family dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah. after after a, a 10 pints with the guys and some mulled wine all i can think about is starting a family yeah you know that's that's kind of that's, that's where my head goes too so sven do you do you enjoy the music of berlin not particularly okay <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I don't actually like any of it. I'm just miserable here. No, Sven, no. are you in jail? I just want to double check. <laughs> Blink twice if you need us to break you out of Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> no, the music, I mean, it's been a long time that I actually like engaged in nightlife here. Pretty much everybody because of COVID. But um, I think for me, it's been like an extra like five to ten years on top of that. And the techno music was never really mine. Somehow I like needed somebody with a guitar or singing or something. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. You're on, you're on my side. Cause you do, you're giving me a little bit of a Richard Ashcroft vibe. So I was hoping that you also enjoyed the music of the Verve. He's, he's also giving me minimal techno DJ look <laughs> as well. You know, that's, that's he's true, got, that's true, he's got a, a long sleeve black shirt on some, some slick back. Bob haircut. You're you're making. He's giving us. He's he's. Sven is giving something for both of us, Jason, which makes him a great guest. Really. You know? Yeah, yeah. You you because Chris needs um you know music with guitars in it only, and I need guys who look like you who are using a you know a weird European mixer that costs seven thousand euros. Yeah. And uh, you know. <laughs> You you don't do ketamine every day, but it's a pretty big part of your life. <laughs> 
you know, he's he's doing some experimental parenting over there. The laws are a little different in Berlin, so you know, you can you can get a little crazier with the with the parenting. I mean, you got to spice it up. It's like <laughs> I've been home so much with them that, like, at some point, you know, it's like you got to get it going. Exactly. Yeah, just no. do a bump, do a bump for daddy. <laughs> <laughs> You got. You just gotta chill out, man. Sometimes those kids are going crazy, and you know some families they'll put a little bit of schnapps on, you know, in their bottle or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but yeah. you got to do something a little stronger. I think this was like a really German thing, but this is like a hundred years ago. The schnapps in the bottle kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. We do that. We do that here, but where I'm from, it's a little bit of Jack Daniels, you know, because I'm from Atlanta, so we we're we're, mm-hmm. we're more proficient with the dark liquors, you know. So you put a little nip in in the bottle. I don't think my crispy drinking brown. I don't think my parents did that, and that explains a lot about me. But they probably, you know, my dad is the calmest guy on earth, and he did put his hand through the drywall uh, because I wouldn't shut up, which is an ongoing <laughs> theme. I don't know if you have you ever punched a wall because your kids wouldn't shut up or you're pretty mellow. No, I think <laughs> my kids are actually pretty easy. I'm not that mellow, but my, okay, my kids good. are actually pretty easy. Like the, the thing, the thing of like the crying part was never like, that was never a problem really. Luckily, because I'm sure that would fucking kill you. Yeah, I guess German people aren't really big criers. They're more murderers, I guess. I'm not sure if that counts for infants, but... <laughs> <laughs> Look, your kids aren't strong enough to kill you, but they have thought about it, and they're still... They're kind of plotting. As, oh, they've tried. Every day that passes, they get a little bit stronger. So keep an eye on those tots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, they've tried. They've tried. I mean, I've gotten... I've got a, I got a, I got a really nice black eye once. Really... Like really, like I thought that it actually broke my face because <laughs> one of my kids woke up in the middle of the night and he's like sat up in bed and then decided to go back to sleep, but by going back to sleep, just going fuck, and it literally almost knocked me out. It was good. Damn. So, so for listeners at home, you did. You were just kind of. He was just like laying, laying up, like talking to you. And then slammed his head down onto the pillow, onto my face. You know, in a, in a, in, but it was instead your nose. Yeah, it was like it was on the side of my cheek. It was more like my like what is this like the cheekbone? Or Damn, whatever. this sounds this sounds pretty hot. If I'm being honest with you, I mean, I feel like it looked pretty cool. You know what I it mean? It did until I tell people what how it actually happened. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you been in a fight before? Yeah, this is a long time ago. I think I more <laughs> wanted to just see what it's like to be punched in the face. Yeah, I was never a big fighter. Yeah, no, me me neither. I'm not. I we're we're not tough guys over here. Um, well, Jason, yeah, we all we all like to know. We all like to know what it feels like to get punched in the face, and you know whether or not you achieve an erection, that's your own business. But exactly. it probably takes you out of the mood if it happens by your own kid. You know, yeah, like, it's a different it's a different sensation. Yeah, I'd like it to be given given to me by a woman wearing some leather or vinyl clothing. You know, yeah, preferably v- vinyls vinyls vegan, so we kind of like to lean that way, Jason. Cru- a cruelty free. Type of sexual injury. Yeah, Jason's into cruelty-free BDSM. That's kind of his thing. Yeah. Uh, it's I mean, a, if it, you can help it, why not? It's a small community, but a tight-knit community. Are you coming? Are you coming to us from an office or a studio, or are you you at home? This is my office. This is my office at home. This will be not really possible to record at this stage. Sure, sure, sure. Because we were, you know, they they sent over. So I'm a longtime reader of the talks. Like I, I've been reading it since it started. I was very familiar and. Then your publisher sent over the book, and then former guest of the show and friend of the show, Armand, is your boy. Oh, yeah. you, guys are, you guys grew up in Germany together, so it's all coming together on on this episode. Armand, who also be interviewing a lot. Yeah, he'd be an interviewer as well. Yeah. He's- so what's up with both of you guys being friends and both having an insatiable 
appetite to interview people? What, what's what's the through line there? I actually don't have that much of an appetite to interview people anymore. Okay, <laughs> you're like I'm all set. So your 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 belly is full. My belly my belly has been medium full through COVID. <laughs> I developed a little bit of an appetite again. Yeah. Okay. Because it was kind of the time where like I had I had more time and I could uh, I could use the time to speak to people that would be quite inspiring. So um, okay, that's it. I think that's the kind of use that anybody should have taken in quarantine. But before quarantine, did you conduct or at least try to conduct the bulk of your interviews in person? In the beginning, yeah. In the beginning, for okay. sure. Like I mean, until until COVID, we try to we try to always conduct interviews in person because um, there's clearly a different kind of connection between people when they see each other when they sit across from each other what if like especially like when you can see expressions and stuff like that mm-hmm. on the phone it's difficult we would do it sometimes we would never do it by email yeah sure because by email it's just like you would have to go back and forth and it's a pain in the ass and it's not really an interview and no. most of the things really just develop out of speaking to people as totally. you guys probably yeah. figured out i used to be the same way with my interviewing and, and podcasting and, and recording with people it a hundred percent had to be in person otherwise i thought it was stupid but during during covid we started this podcast 100% remotely over Zoom or FaceTime, and it ended up being my preferred method. Um, and I think that's for more personal reasons because it's easier to like maybe say something that might not be offensive, but might be a little more difficult to say to a person when you're staring at them right in the face. Have you experienced anything like that? You mean they're not as easily slapping you? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we can bring this all back to getting punched in the face, but no- it's much more yeah. difficult to strike me in the face. Yes. I mean, we started this, and it was we literally would FaceTime audio people because it was you know everybody mm-hmm. was available, everybody was kind of sitting around. You thought this sounded like shit? You should have heard the earlier episodes. Yeah, yeah, you should have heard the earlier ones. But I, but I think that the everybody prefers in person. But now, even though it's not impossible, it just feels like laborious in a way even though i I think we all agree it's like the right way to do it you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. is it necessary i think is what you start to ask yourself yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's quite that necessary actually because the interaction through zoom like as soon as as long as you see the other person it's actually all right Mm -hmm. and i think also a lot of people are getting used to the fact that they're simply not willing to drive anywhere (laughs) you know like it's like I am simply unwilling. I am simply unwilling to Ma- participate. Making time, like yeah, when you when you see a, a calendar invite and you're like, oh, I gotta hop on the Zoom and do a podcast or an interview, you're like, oh shit, I gotta build my day around it. But yeah, if you have to factor in driving and traffic, and you you start to be like, hey, I'm doing you a huge favor by going to your house or your hotel to do an interview. Yeah, and that maybe you know you, you could start off an interview by really resenting the host. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Jason, we're, we were, you know, we were looking through your your back catalog, and obviously the the back cover of the book, which is done in a nice blaze orange. Mm-hmm. Your body count is crazy, bro. You know what I'm saying? There's, I mean, the 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 names, you know, glitterati. I mean, just just the most important people. We've had some, you know, relative heavy hitters in this podcast, but I think you're a guy we should come to for some advice, maybe. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, we're we're it's, we're doing pretty well. You know, but like, I think you've kind of like, yeah, we, we've, we've, we've both interviewed Alison Roman. Sure. <laughs> there's, there's probably a, there's probably a couple other crossovers that, yeah. that we have mm-hmm. both had on our, on our media platforms. But I mean, just going through the list of names that you've spoken with, 
a lot of them in the in the culinary arts, which is impressive. But you know, Chris's favorite, Aaron Sorkin, like I said, <laughs> Alan Rowe. I mean, Andrea Bocelli. That's fucked fucking, up. You know, that's fucked Anthony up. Anthony Hopkins, for God's sakes. And I'm not even in done with the A's yet. Yeah. Sir Ben Kingsley, Sir Benedict Cumberbatch. Are you the only guy that? Are you guys the only people interviewing in Germany? Or is that like kind of is? <laughs> is it like a must stop on the on the tour on the press tour? Or like, were you traveling to do a lot of this? Like, I, I think I think there was in the beginning there was like Germany was usually like a must stop for like a yeah. lot of film companies to promote movies. Yeah, like it was really like everybody would come through Berlin, and then you know it's like we got like with the talks is that like we got really lucky. Like it was really like it was sort of the time when we started, it was kind of the time when these like niche publications online would pop up that we just randomly kind of were one of them. It was early day. No, I remember it was early days. And then how early are we talking about? 70s? <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was 1967. My first interview, uh, John F. Kennedy, God rest his soul, but he was a cool guy to talk to. Uh, well, you know, I've heard of other, you know, I've talked to other podcasts about the same thing. Where they'll, you know, they'll have a, a a podcast that is no bigger or smaller than mine, but the amount of you know famous guests they get on is shockingly upsetting. And I would ask them like, "What did you do? How did you get, you know, how do you get these big guests?" And they would often say the same thing, which is, "All you have to do is is get one big one on yeah. there, and then the rest will follow." Is that sort of yeah? This is a pattern you've recognized. This is definitely how how we started too it's like in the very beginning we had like you know we were contributing to other magazines so yeah that's we what i wanted to that's make... what i wanted to get to i mean because because yeah a friend of ours that's been on the show uh he does a newsletter called blackbird spy plane jonah and he gets all these crazy guests and it's partly because his background is in journalism and he has relationships and he's interviewed is that are you in a similar boat yeah okay like we had like we used to contribute like we used to work like write for different versions of like you know Vogue and gq and these kind of yeah. things and um, we were able to, like, in the very beginning, kind of make deals with publicists of, like, hey, we get you a story in Vogue, but we want to use it for the talks, like a different section of it that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the film that you guys want to promote, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. that will give you, like, an exposure for, like, you know, the, the person and what their creative process is kind of thing. And luckily, like, we were able to convince, like, a handful of really, really good people to start with. So I think the first ones included, like, I think we launched with, like, Mick Jagger and Valentino. And, like, we had, <laughs> Damn, like, this like, guy, this, really... Jason, this guy just came on this Mick podcast. Mick Jagger? To, he came on this podcast to shit on us in this accent. That's what no. he came to do. Not at all. It was just, I mean, these, <laughs> no, are, like, we know, like, these were all lucky things. We, we did asked. ask. We ask. We but ask. also, I mean, like, you know, fucking Jimmy Fallon can't get <laughs> half of these people. <laughs> No, but okay. No, so, true. so with Mick Jagger, for example, you know, like the way that it works is like that guy never gives any interviews, and that guy would not want to talk to us either, probably. Mm-hmm. But you know, every ten years, there's a documentary where he's going to be forced to do some press. Yeah, and if you get lucky in that kind of thing, it's like that's how. People like Mick Jagger don't really come along yeah. that often. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, no, I okay. mean, I mean, I think that because because we have a similar approach where we're not usually that interested in talking about whatever is being promoted. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. to some extent, yeah, of course, good. you know, like, like we talked to Mike Mills, you know, about his new movie and it's like half the podcast mm-hmm. is about his new movie. And I think that's, that's fine. Cause that's like, you know, we're not film buffs. So we're asking kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, questions that I feel like are relatable. You know what I mean? Like on what mm-hmm. we thought the movie meant, et cetera, et cetera. 
But like, I think that is also a key to keeping people coming back. Is it's like if because if they're on like a junket or a press tour, they do not. They're done. They don't want to talk about this shit anymore. So if you offer anything else, if you want to talk about their bench press routine yeah, or yeah, their yeah. fucking kids or how they like their coffee, it's anything is better to them than the album or the new or the movie. Exactly. I mean, that's that's generally like that was always the goal is to just make sure that you're not asking the same shit that the other guys yeah. that have spoken to them for the whole day in 20 minute slots have mm-hmm. asked. Because yeah, when you're getting people like, I mean. I feel like we don't really get into that too much, but if you're getting people on this level, it really is like they're doing 20 minutes on the hour, you know, for, for three or four days. It really depends on how it's set up. It's like sometimes you get lucky and somebody recommends you to somebody else mm-hmm. and they like, you know, like they have an hour time and you can choose when you want to do it as long as they're not shooting or something like that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of the times it's also that like, yeah, like they have certain schedules so they and stick they're to probably it. getting paid to do these interviews. You know? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, how you know, much do you, uh, how much do you pay your guests? <laughs> there's usually like a $60,000 fee or so that everybody gets. Yeah. A, a uh-huh. small, a small Euro, Euro stipend. Thanks to the good people at Rolex. Of course, I'm obviously you're not coming out of pocket for that. I was going to ask you, bro. Cause that's the other thing that I noticed about your little shit. When I was following, I was like, this, <laughs> this went from some good interviews to these guys got Rolex as the presenting sponsor, you know, it's, and, and over here at how long, gone we love money we love to make money where we we do a lot of sponsorships we do a lot of deals over here the good people over at timberland make a fine fine work boot <laughs> but i've but rolexes those guys are cool too it's cool too yeah it's cool too but i think that rolex is such an interesting <clears throat> it really works for what you guys are doing it like makes a lot of sense i think that it, it works for both parties and is, it, is that because of your tennis connection perhaps because i know they do a lot of you know they don't really sponsor many things but they always sponsor tennis stuff just any rich guy shit in general the talks is rich guy shit that's the reality that that's what he's trying that, yeah that's what, <laughs> and I, that's why i like it so much that's why i was so into it was asking it was aspirational rich guy shit for me you know what i mean perfect <laughs> <laughs> fame and talent you know that's pretty good but how rich are these celebs is kind of what it boils down so tell us tell us about your partner and how you guys get along you know because we're we're in a similar relationship so i want to know if you guys have ever come to blows or you know no you've had to accuse him of tax evasion or anything like that (laughs) whoa whoa, whoa, slow down slow down down. we spent three years in prison together um Uh, we we bonded we bonded Johannes, when I was six years old on a tennis court in like rural Bavaria, where my parents Whoa. had a had a house in the Alps, and Johannes's parents would live in the like little village with like a few thousand people next door, mm-hmm. and that's how we met and became friends. And then later on, it you know it came pretty naturally that we started to work together. I think it also had to do with the fact that we moved to Berlin together, yeah, and there was simply no work. Like there was like, I could have like, you know, like, like Berlin was so poor at the time too, that like, we could have, like, I could have gotten a job and be paid like, you know, 1500 euros. And then, you know, it was probably a better choice to just accept the fact to not make any money for a few years, but to do your own thing. So you could either, you could either work at a petrol station or the only other job listing on the on the bulletin board was interview Mick Jagger so you went, <laughs> yeah, you went it, was a, it was a really tough choice it was a really tough choice uh, I, could, I guess I could bartend one night a week yeah. I don't know I mean this is looking it's, it's tough it's tough I mean yeah I think that the how do you guys do because people ask Jason and I this a lot about like the, the division of labor you know what I mean between partners and like who does what and how you fell into those roles so we've always kind of been like I've been more taken part of the editorial uh, and 
like strategic kind of planning of what the talks editorial wise looks like. And Johannes has been taking care of um, more the business side yeah. of things, which is really good because at least this way we're not kind of you know we're not fighting for the cookies. Of course, yeah, I'm I'm kind of the money guy over here as well, so I I understand Johannes's plight. You know what I mean? Because some of us. Some of us love to make art, but we also love to count money. And and J- Jason, unfor- <laughs> Jason, unfortunately, is is more of a pure artist and an audiophile. So I have to kind of pick up the slack when it comes to the the wire transfers. Every creative needs a counterpart for that. And luckily, Chris's dad grew up as an accountant, so he's <laughs> able to kind of become mine. And it, it's a, it's a relationship that works out quite well because I don't really have time for that kind of day to day stuff of managing <laughs> the books. Yeah, you're so busy. Yeah, I mean, our lives are so intervened. Like we've like you know we've been friends for thirty years now, more than 30, 35 years. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we speak about most of the decisions anyways, yeah, but yeah. in a very natural kind of way. Like it's not so much, it's not so much that we like sit down and do like editorial planning. It's more that we like mm-hmm. talk about what we want to do and go do what's it. The plan for the next few weeks. Yeah. I didn't know you were a big tennis guy. So let's talk about it, chief. Yeah. Cause you, you look also, you look like, not only do you look like a <laughs> Richard Ashcroft and a minimal techno DJ, but you could, pa- <laughs> you could pass for a 200th ranked player on the tour. Yeah. Not quite. Yeah, so I grew up. I grew up playing tennis a lot. Like I think from the age of like six till I was like basically till I got interested in girls. Sure, because sure. then I would not go continue to go with my parents to the country house where there wasn't that much to do, and we would go to the tennis court all the time. Kind of, I played with my brother, and he was like three years older. But we started playing at the same time, so I basically had like the perfect kind of like uh, the perfect person to play with all my childhood until. Then I stopped at 14. I would play like maybe once every five or six years. And then a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago or so, I realized that like, shit, like I need something in my life that like actually makes me happy and turns my head off. Sure, sure. Yes, we've all gotten to, we've all gotten to that point. We've all gotten to that yeah. point. Yeah. And I randomly like got a call from a friend who was like, hey, do you want to go? Like I have a trainer. Do you want to come play tennis at night? And from that moment on, I've been playing three times a week for the past five years. Now, how did it? How was it returning to the game? Because I've played with people like you, and they're sneaky. They're like, "Oh yeah, I played when I was a kid, you know, a little bit or whatever." And then you get out there, and they're monsters. Because it's just like I feel like it comes back to you pretty quickly. You know, it goes. It it comes back pretty quickly. Plus, that I realized that I have an advantage that I actually think about shit now. Like when I was fourteen. I would literally just like, you know, I would not think about the game. Like I would just play and try impossible shots and like, you know, like whatever comes around. Like it was yeah, yeah, super yeah. intuitive. While now it's like, I think I have a different perspective on things. And like, you actually kind of try to think of like, you know, it's like, how am I going to go about this? Like, what is the, yes, yeah, so we call that, we call that tennis intelligence, you know, and, yeah. and, um, it's, I had it's none so- of that when I was younger. <laughs> but I think that's kind of the point of it because one of our one of our Jason and I's friends who is like our de facto coach, like he played very seriously and then he taught kids and then he played at NYU and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And just the way he approaches it is so different than anyone I've ever been close to. It's just like really, really mental and it's really like it reminds me of I guess because I played I played sports when I was a kid, kind of same thing until I discovered like punk and skateboarding, and I was like, Okay, I'm good on this. You know what I mean? And and yeah, but it is like I think tennis more than a lot of things is truly like fundamental shit. Like you have to just like, he will make us do ladders and fucking move our feet. That's all he cares about. Like, he's yeah. like, you guys aren't even ready to hit the ball. Basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, no, I think we're pretty good. He's like, no, 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 we no, no, no. He does. 
he doesn't let us hit. We only hit practice balls with him. He only lets us hit green dots. He won't let us hit a real ball. He's like, you're not, re- you're not ready for that. It's been five years. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's a quite, it's a quite humbling experience. But what? So in Berlin, are you playing indoors on clay? No, we're playing indoors on hot courts on like carpets, and outdoors it's like East German tennis courts. I've never seen anything before. Like I started playing here. Like, <laughs> what's the what's the vibe of an East German? It sounds like it's post-war. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah it's like a GDR. It's like a GDR tennis court, which is basically <laughs> it's uh, it's fake grass with just normal sand on top of it. What? what? Yes, I'm not kidding. What? Fuck. Wait, so, so hold on. So, so you guys play on carpet and sand? I'm starting to believe you're in jail again after this. <laughs> that, that, ten, that, that tennis court sounds like time on the yard to me. I mean, it does. It does. And it looks kind of like it too because it has this like massive brutalist building right behind it. It used to be like yeah. used to be the ten- the club that I play at used to be the tennis club that was owned by the Bayer Pharmaceutical Company. So it's yeah. it's pretty gray in German. Yeah, and- I think when you get into that side of it, you really start to to meet people. And that you know that's what people say they play golf for. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Shit like that, like fake fake sports. It's like all because all you're doing is socializing. But like it's called networking. I think it's called networking. Yeah, it's called networking. But yeah. But have you? I mean, I think that it the, the meeting people part of it is pretty nice. You know what I mean? Especially, I mean, I don't know how competitive you are. You look like you're maybe a killer out I'm there. Pretty competitive. I can be pretty, but but like not as bad as I used to be. So. Are you a are you a racket breaker? Because I feel like you've broken a racket in your life. I have, but not not since I picked it up again. So only in your in your angsty teenage years. Yeah, but I also I really like my record, so I can't like and I, and I only <laughs> bought it simply for the look of it, so like I don't want to trash it. Wow, you and Chris have a lot in common. <laughs> well, I mean, look, man, it's it's I think tennis is such an aesthetically beautiful sport, you know what I mean? So if you if you care about stuff like that, it's it's pretty easy to find things that you like, you know. Sven, what other stuff do you buy just for the look of it? Is it I know wine is a popular one. They'll just buy it if they think the label looks cute are you that kind of guy i buy books <laughs> and a lot of books them, and a lot of them also by the look of it i end up like picking them up at some point but like i had like over the past 10 years i've been i've been buying lots of books now you guys gotta work on the reading them part i get it yeah they're not really <laughs> yeah. they're not really readable books they're more like books to like look at pictures mm-hmm. okay i'm back mm-hmm. i'm back jason's jason's back he's not a strong reader in german or english yeah love pic- picture is good though you know what I mean? <laughs> What's up with the? I, I do. I need to confront you about the German cuisine as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not. You guys are doing some funky shit over there, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. Come on, Chris. What? What did? I just. You know, you, the work I, that they've co- done with mustards is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they're on the. They're on the front lines of mustard innovation. That that is true. Absolutely. For the last 500 years but what is your are you cooking for the family or or is your wife cooking or what what's the vibe my wife cooks a lot and she cooks really healthy she's like super extreme like she cooks a lot of vegan food and she's she's a nutritionist so um oh, damn you got a nutritionist wife i like this that's a good vibe that's, that's i smart. didn't know they had those in germany yeah. <laughs> yeah, my like, wife is canadian that's why she lived in new york for 10 my man years. Uh, my okay. my man, he knows he knows where to go to find the good ones. He already knows the vibe. This was not really the place <laughs> to find a wife. <laughs> Luckily, they have Instagram in in, uh, in Germany, right? <laughs> exactly. The explore page. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, 
so so your your wife is is super health conscious, so that helps you keep this svelte figure. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're eating you're eating healthy. I have a pretty yeah, I have a pretty fast metabolism. I think this 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 was never really the issue, but I do eat I, I eat quite healthy unless I'm responsible for it. Mm-hmm. If I'm responsible, I like I cook meat and steaks, sausage. What is what is your German? What is your what is your classic German go to? If you know you've been out at the pub with the fellas, you know what I mean. It's one one thirty. He's getting he's getting Donna kebab, yeah. but also is it's illegal to be fat in Germany, so that probably helps keep the pounds <laughs> down as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> they have some strict they have some strict laws over there. I mean, so. when it comes down when it comes down to cuisine, Bavarian food is killing it. Yeah, like that's like it's pretty heavy, but like here in Berlin, like you can't touch anything that's local. Like it's horrible. It's like weird boiled meat so it's the opposite so it's the opposite of california where all we care about is if it's local in in germany you're like i don't want anything local import everything no no you want you want the you want the actual produce to be local you just don't want a local person to cook traditional food <laughs> oh <laughs> I, you definitely want them. so 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 okay. nowadays okay. germans are asking people for their papers for a different reason is what you're saying <laughs> because otherwise i don't really want you to make me this uh, quinoa salad if you were born here, yeah, I need to see. I need to see your passport if you're about to if you cut that avocado. I need to make sure you're not from around <laughs> these parts. Speaking of food, Sven, I, I, you have spoken with a lot of chefs. You just you just spoke with Yotam Odalengi, cookbook god. You, I, I was very jealous. One of my all time um, top dream guests is is Francis Malman. Uh, he, I actually did speak to. Yeah, you did speak to Malman. I did speak to Malman. I didn't speak to to Yotam Otelengi, but um, okay. Francis Malman is a he's a, he's a pretty interesting guy. Yeah, no shit. I only spoke to him on the phone, and he was like, he was somewhere in Argentina. Like it sounded like there was like a storm going on the whole time. Because mm-hmm. Malman, Malman, Jason, not only is he sick with the with the open fire, but he's he's a legendary stick man as well, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Sven, are you familiar with that term? I I, <laughs> I have a pretty good idea. I think yeah. <laughs> you might be able to parcel together what we mean by that. I think so. I think so. so. Yeah, I mean, Francis does have a reputation for, you know, loving sex with ladies, right? Yeah, he seems like a he seems like a classic lover from a different era. You know, like it's all sensory. Mm-hmm. His whole his whole his whole life is about like sensory experiences. I think it's like an excuse to have three wives or something like that. You know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> Uh, that, yeah, I, that's just how I am, baby. You know that. You knew that when we started this thing. So yeah, I mean, he he definitely uses like you know some type of elk meat as lubrication in the bedroom. <laughs> elk fat, you know, warmed over sensual fats of an of a game animal. Yeah. Did he get into any of that when you were speaking with him? <laughs> no, but I'm I'm pretty sure he did talk about sex quite a lot. Really. He always finds a way to sneak it in. I think that's just his thing. Like it's like that's also how you stand out. There's no other chef who like that's the main thing that they want to talk about. Yeah, usually uh, you know you you have to find out about a chef's sex life by uh, reading a New York Times article. <laughs> but it's nice for somebody to be a little bit more outright. Yeah, with yeah, it a little more. Out, like, out, yeah, I mean outgoing. it's it's not a crime to like fucking beautiful people you know and i can't argue yeah. with that francis as long as he's keeping his nose clean you know yeah but then when you're mario batali things are a little bit different you know they're more difficult hey hey we don't talk about malto mario like that no <laughs> no no jason's a big mario guy he loves babo he still goes jason actually still goes to babo and supports the the franchise there's actually a great photo of chris and mario <laughs> together 
What were you doing in that photo, Chris? I've never met Mario. He, he, I, I think he's a good chef. I don't know if he's a great guy, but Chris, what were you doing in that photo with him? I was just, he was making a pizza for me and explaining to me the process and the ingredients. He could tell I was a novice when it comes to the pie and, and at the, you know, he was an expert at the time. I think there was a photo where you guys were sharing something. Sweat? I, no, not not his wife. We were sharing a, I think, we, I think we were sharing a, a, a cone of gelato, I think. Ah, yes, both licking an ice cream cone at the same time. That's what it was. But yeah, like I said, I haven't met Mario. Seems like a cool guy, Sven. I have also not met Mario, but I actually don't know anything about him besides that he looks horrible and doesn't have the best reputation. Well, I mean, that you bring up a good point because you look at the, I'm looking at the photo of Francis Mallman on, on the talk's website, you know. He's a, he's a handsome guy. He's a good-looking guy. He he has yeah, that, good- yeah, whatever that, I don't know what the word for it is in German, you know, je ne sais quoi, joie de vivre, whatever that is, that's something about somebody that is, you know, magnetic. Do you guys have a word for that? He's got that Patagonian plush or whatever. Patagonian <laughs> plush. Is there a word in German for, for, that, for that feeling? <sighs> I'm assuming not, but you know. I don't. I, I guess not. You guys are a little bit more robotic with your sexual escapades, and that's fine. That's a style. <laughs> it's a style that some people enjoy. Did you Did you live outside of Germany at some point? Did you go to college or excuse me, university somewhere? Yeah, I lived in New York. I lived in New York for I think maybe five years on and off. So. What 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 age were you in New York? I came to New York when I was twenty. So it was perfect. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. That sounds envious. Yeah. You know, that sounds good. And you, but you had to go to college or were you just hanging out? I was just hanging out. I got, um, I did an internship at a company called AR Media that my godmother hooked me up with, who basically also gave me her apartment to stay in and made it very, very easy. What neighbor, what neighborhood, what neighborhood is 20 year old Sven staying in in New York? On Washington Square Park. This motherfucker. I knew that was going to be the answer. I knew it was going to be okay, too good. So you were in Gossip Girl, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, li- yeah, literally. What did your hair? What did your hair look like then, though? It probably looked actually pretty similar. I mean, this is the longest my hair has been in like ten years. It's just because I couldn't be. I just can't be fucked to cut it really. But mm-hmm. um, this is what it looked like when I was when I was twenty. So you're twenty years old. You got an apartment that's too nice uh, on Washington Square Park. You look like you're in Interpol. You're listening to Interpol. <laughs> what kind of what stuff is, were you getting into? What, how often? How many nights a week were you going to Bungalow Eight? Yeah, two, three, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got really like when I first moved to New York, I got really really lucky. It was it was very like I didn't know anybody, nothing. But I met like a few right people in the very beginning. This sounds yeah, this sounds good, man. This sounds like because I I would say. I moved to New York when I was like 25, 26, and I think I was a couple years late. Like I, I still had my good time, and I went to all the probably places that you went. You know what I mean? In some regards, but I feel like early twenties when things really don't fucking matter. Yeah, is the number one is the number one time. I mean, I literally I realized I think on the first day that I was in New York, I realized that I was never going back to Munich. Like I was never like this was not happening. You saw the Jamba Juice at JFK and said, "I can't leave this place. This is this is too. This is America is incredible. This is the greatest. This is the greatest country in the world. They have fresh juices at the airport." <laughs> so you're saying the the just the op. You're saying once you left Munich, it didn't it almost didn't matter where you went. You were like, okay, I, I never can go back there. Yeah, I could never. Like, I, it's just my whole worldview changed. It's like what I thought that life was like. Just simply wasn't true. That was just the bubble that I grew up in, <laughs> and I think a lot of people have sure, that kind sure, of experience, sure. when, especially when they come to New York, because New York, 
nobody's really from New York, so everybody is friendly. At least, like you know, like mm-hmm. if you go out in New York, it's like you make friends pretty easy. Yeah, I agree because I think that the the perception is that people are mean, but I think it's more like people are really just trying to survive because it's very difficult to yeah. live there. But the reality is, also that, they're always drunk, so they're usually that's also not true. They're friendly. No, but I find I made yeah I, I found it very easy to make friends too. You know, I, I kind of agree with you. I think people are overall pretty friendly. Yeah, especially in comparison. I mean, try to go to a bar here and make some friends. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> I tried that and it didn't it didn't work very well Before, for me. No. So I, you know, no, I I was told that I I didn't I didn't do. You, I'm sure you're friends with Jorg Koch from mm-hmm. from O32C. Yeah, yeah. Jorg just. York was like, oh, you guys did everything wrong. You should have stayed with me. You know what I mean? I'm like, bro, I'm not. I didn't know your estate was available, yeah. or we would have, or, or we would have fucking stayed there. I, I you know, I, you didn't tell me that, so you can't tell me I made the wrong decisions when I come visit your city. If you don't, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's not, it's not really an easy city to like arrive by yourself and then figure out what to do and have a good time. But why? So why did you settle there? Unless you're really into drugs. <laughs> yeah, you just all you need is a, a bicycle, drugs. Yeah, these things come pretty easy. Enough money for some mustard and it's good. You know, the best part about Berlin is the Vietnamese food, I will say. <laughs> I was I was shocked. I was shocked to find all, all I didn't know that that existed there. Oh shit, that's really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's 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 it was just a. I think it was more of just a surprise because I I could never see those two cultures overlapping in any way, mm-hmm. and then someone told me the history and like why. Chris has a pretty narrow worldview. Yeah, yeah. I'm just you know I'm just a country bumpkin. Sven, let's talk about a little some um, some musicians that you guys have interviewed. What was did you were, was it you or your partner who interviewed Bjork? I think Johannes have spoke. I think Johannes spoke to her in the past too. But I think for this story, it was one of our editors. That, that's another. That's another dream guest of mine. I would love to just talk to her about fucking anything. Was, was that uh was that a successful chat? I haven't listened to it. You can't listen to it. You can only listen to like a, like a question or two. <laughs> um, Why is that? I need you to help me here, Sven, because Jason's a guy who now listens to his articles. You know, because that's available in like the New York Times, New Yorker. You okay, can yeah, they, yeah. they do that. I'm more of a traditional guy who likes to, you know, I subscribe, I get my hard copies, I plop down on the couch, I read it like a real man. But but we need to get Jason, you know, we need to get Jason back on the on the written word. And I don't know what it's going to take. Maybe your website can kind of flip him back. <laughs> you can try. That would be great. <laughs> okay, so you're so you're so basically the interview with Bjork is is text only. It's text only. There's always like an audio sample, which like when we started, mm-hmm. this was okay. the only thing like we I think we would have made the talks as a print magazine if we would have had money. But since we didn't, we started online <laughs> sure. and then we thought about it. It's like, okay, so what can online offer that print can't? And the reason for the audio sample was that we figured it's like, okay, well, you read something a little bit different if you hear somebody's voice. If you can click on it and hear the voice, you mm-hmm. start reading, like you start reading the article differently. Okay. So, I mean, the advantage of, of it not being listenable, which is probably also why it's much harder to get these kind of people on podcasts is... It's a whole different commitment to be recorded for an hour totally. and have the conversation be one to one online than to speak to somebody mm-hmm. for an hour and have it edited down and fixed and these kind of things. We we edit and fix this podcast to an extent. I don't think we do it to the extreme that like an editor does it in, in a in a you know written way, but I, I think that the I agree with you. And there's a third level to that, which is like the video element. Mm-hmm. Like we get that asked a lot, like, oh, do you guys record this? Is it video? And I'm like, no. And that 
yeah. gives people peace of mind as well. So I, I think that there's like there's three levels to the whole thing. Like, yeah, you don't yeah, have to like put on video. Nobody wants to be filmed. Like people. No, talk. you don't have to. You don't have to put on a full face of makeup to do this podcast. Yeah, it's yeah, because like, it, then it's the commitment fine. is also not like the hour to record it. It's like an hour and a half to get ready to like get your grand team going and all that stuff. To like, it becomes a different commitment. I think. Yeah. No, you're right. Okay. So do you do you listen to long form interview podcasts like the one you're on right now? Anytime. I do. I do. I do listen to some. I listened to, I lived for a long time. I listened to how I built that, or how I built this, how I built that. Classic entrepreneurial podcast. Yeah, but it ran its course. I don't know. After a little while, well, like after quite a lot of time, actually, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. it did lose a little bit of its. Um, You're like, I don't care how you fucking built Spanx, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have fat people in Germany. This doesn't appeal to me at all. Yeah, I mean, I've actually never listened to that podcast. I, I don't. I find there's a some lot of legendary those... episodes, some really cool, interesting stories. But yeah, a lot of them, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, you you invented a fucking soup restaurant or something like. I think it's like I choose more. I choose more. It's not so much about the podcast. It's more that I choose for people that I'm interested in. Like I listened to, I listened yeah. the other day to like a three hour conversation between. Uh, Adam McKay and a comedian called Pete Holmes or so. I don't know who he was. <laughs> he's a he's a he's an LA podcast. He lives, you know, in big our, podcast. He yeah. lives in our big neighborhood. Podcaster. He's kind of like a dorky comedian guy, but he he is good at interviewing people and he gets them to open up. Yeah, the conversation like that conversation was really great, and I didn't know who he was. I hate him, but he's I hate him, but he's good. That's the it's the because he has this kind of like aw shucks thing that I find really obnoxious, but I unfortunately think that's actually him, mm-hmm. which is why it, why it works. Like yeah, because yeah. he's like an actor and a comedian, I'm like this guy's full of shit. But then you listen to enough of those, and you're like this can't be put on. Yeah, yeah. it's like too <laughs> dorky. Like it can't you can't make this shit up. You know what I mean? He made it. He really made a show with. Up. I didn't. I never seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't. It didn't last very long. I think it was only on for right, Jason. It was only on for like a season or two, maybe. It was. Yeah, it was a couple seasons on HBO. It didn't. It didn't do great. And he had a, a talk show, like a little late night interview show that lasted even mm-hmm. shorter, shorter amount of time. You know, not for everyone, but also, you know, he's a guy who's had his own HBO show and his own late night talk show. So that's yeah, yeah it's that's, really it's yeah, it's really very impressive. you know that's something that Chris and I would like to do probably. Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you have plans? Is is the talk? Is this book like a? Is this a chapter for you guys? I mean, you're going to continue doing it, of course. But like, is this book a chapter, Chris? That's good stuff. I'm crazy, bro. I'm crazy, <laughs> wow. but. But right. you know what I mean? Does this does this feel like an accomplishment? Like does, does this put like a bookend? <laughs> not to not to do yeah. it. Oh, <laughs> does this put does this put a book? Good God Almighty! Hold on, hold on. Just, does this put a bookend on this chapter of the talks for you? <laughs> and it was nice to go through all of it. Like I think I would have probably not been able to do it if it wouldn't have been for COVID. No, I mean that's the same thing for this podcast that you're on right now. It literally started because of COVID, and it was able to be you know, created and produced and, and grow into what it is right now simply because of, of COVID. Yeah, of course. Which is, you know, bittersweet. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like lots of people had time suddenly and some people used it productive, other people not so much. Yeah, other people, other other people in America got fat. We made a podcast. You have a nice orange book yeah. available anywhere books are sold. I mean, it's really, <laughs> we're just guys that are fucking killing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we made a podcast, collected unemployment, 
I got fat, but I also made a podcast, you know? And then now that the podcast is doing well, I could start losing weight and, you know, I'm not on unemployment uh-huh. anymore. So what, what's the, yeah, I mean, are you guys doing any promotional stuff for the bookers or a little bit stunted because of like, you can't try? Are you, yeah, you know we're I mean? pretty stuck with it. Like we're supposed to have a dinner here in Berlin, like two weeks ago. This is right before like the whole Omicron shit show started and mm-hmm. like two weeks before we had to cancel because. It would have, like, I think the regulations would have allowed it, but everything else got canceled around us. And then we're also like, oh, do these kind of people really want to come to a dinner with 60 people when this kind of stuff is going around? And then is it worth it to do it? Well, let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, Sven. I, I, I would have been there. You know what I mean? I would have been there. I'm not scared of this shit. Perfect. You hate Berlin, so that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Probably everybody would have gone. Now I have another friend there, so things are looking up. But, I mean, I, I didn't know... You know, do you guys wear masks over there? I feel like you guys are pretty anti-government, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. It's still here. I mean, like we never had to wear them on the street and stuff like that. But people do, like, you know, in all shops and all that stuff. It's still... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still masked up. Torture. It's torture. You couldn't even have your 60-person dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. At your fancy restaurant. It's really, it's a terrible, terrible. That's a, that's fucked up. That's a big, that's a big ass table, bro. That's a big ass table. Yeah, it was supposed to be one table. That was the whole point. Damn, we're gonna fucking film it for Nowness too. <laughs> <laughs> get the drone. You guys have drones over there in Germany. Yet? They got drones. They probably invented the drones. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I mean, not 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 one for killing, one for shooting sick ass videos. Oh, only of course. Yeah, of two course. different things. Where do you guys holiday for warm weather over there? What's your what's your go to warm? Ibiza. I was just in the Maldives. This is the first time that I like traveled for like. Uh, That's quite a flight. That that was quite the. Yeah, flight. how far? How far is that? Twelve. 14 hours something like that did you go with the kids bro i did go with the kids yeah god damn bro you're crazy man that's crazy did you stay at uh death standard hotel nope nope okay. nope. no he stayed somewhere nicer than that, Jason. <laughs> Don't do that come on come on bro my man was in the big house he had five bedrooms we only needed three i mean did the kids tutor stay there or something like that i don't know <laughs> one of the drivers i don't know the driver and the tutor didn't come. Um, no, the kids had the kids had holidays, and it's shit weather here, so you mm-hmm. can't really travel anywhere in Europe and have like them have a break and go to the beach and pool and stuff like that. So you have to travel far for that. And then normally in the summer, I mean, Italy is pretty close. Yeah, Mallorca is pretty nice. Yeah, like you do have like sure. it's it's like that part of Europe is great. I'm a big Spain guy. I didn't realize it you know, until later in life, but it's pretty fucking nice. I mean, Maldives is too far. I don't know if I care. Is it that pretty? I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. It's like, it's that picture book kind of pretty, but it's also really boring. <laughs> and you're really stuck out there. What does it feel like to be just yeah. in the middle of the fucking ocean like that? Yeah, the kids come in handy. To go get you another drink? It's a double-edged sword. It's like, on one side, they come in handy because you're not as bored. On the other side, there's nothing to do. So, like, you know, when they were younger... <laughs> It's pretty repetitive kind of scenario because you go to the beach, you play with that, you do this, and there's nothing to do. You sure. can't go, you you know, you can't go look at anything. Mm-hmm. It's like one island with a hotel in it, and that's it. You you don't seem like the kind of guy who's able to just sit on a on a lounge chair by the pool for ten hours a day. You might go a little cuckoo. Is that correct? I don't know. I think I haven't tried in I haven't tried in so long that I think by now I probably will be able to. How's the how's the marijuana over in in Berlin? It's getting it's getting legalized. Oh great! Apparently, apparently the new government is um, is finally legalizing marijuana. How is that going to affect your life personally? Not very much. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, no, well, that's cool, man. That's cool too. I mean, Berlin is really easy with this kind of stuff. 
Like this is not um, a little marijuana is the least of your problems we know, over we there. Know. That's the only reason anybody goes there. Yeah, this is really the least of the problems. No, I mean I, I actually like it. Like you know, like I actually like it here in Berlin. It's uh it's an easy place to bitch about, but um just yeah, just like LA or New York. Uh, yeah, I'm, what, I'm gonna this year I'm gonna go to Berlin. I've never been. I actually enjoy electronic dance music. I enjoy people who are assholes. I want to ride my bike around and eat <laughs> shitty vegetarian food. I think it's going to be an ideal place for me. I'll, 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 I'll make sure to hit you up and we can go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll take you around. I'll drop you off at York's house where you can stay. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. If you Also, if, if you need a babysitter, Jason's great with kids. He's really tall, so they're kind of fascinated with him. So you and your wife could go have a night on the town. You know? Perfect. Sven, I'm, I'm sure you've been asked this question before. Any, uh, any dream guests you haven't had a chance to talk to? Let's do some dead and let's do some alive. <laughs> okay, so John Bonham, I think he would have been pretty good. Sick. John Bonham, you said? John Bonham. Classic. Very cool. I think alive. For a long time, I wanted to talk to Jack White, but he really didn't want to. Jack White? <laughs> yeah. Why do you like Jack White? That motherfucker sucks. I do like <laughs> I mean, he's a shredder. He's a shredder. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I think it's like for a long time, I thought that like he was the only sort of guitar player that you could hear that he's playing the guitar within the first five seconds. Okay. Interesting. Interesting point. I like that. Oh, no, that's fair. That, that's probably true. That's probably true. But he really didn't want to. We've tried a couple of times and... Um, I even like I used to mention this in interviews all the time to see like I even like so he would so it'd get back to him yeah yeah so at some point no no I mean I'm sure it wouldn't have gotten back to him but I think drop a little Easter egg for no him. but at some point I sent like all the articles to his management and was like all right so this is clearly the person we want to talk to and they didn't answer so sometimes it doesn't work God fuck fuck third fuck third man records you fucking nerds fuck man. Jack White <laughs> they're too busy making seven inches in a van to do your little interview that's crazy man. Crazy. Jack Black better. Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> the other, the, the John other, Bonham and the Jack, Jack White. That's a t- twisted combination of people. It just solidifies Finn's rocker status, Jason, and that that upsets you. I think. Okay, I, mean, so. I don't know who it would be now. Like Jack White, I think this was like years ago that like this was my main answer that I could just simply yeah. repeat to you guys without having to think about it. <laughs> Fuck that, Sven. Come on. <laughs> We get no respect on our own show. God damn no, it, no, Sven. No, no. All right. Sven, what's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> Turquoise. Turquoise. Oh, yeah. Tiffany blue. Yeah, Tiffany blue. Only Tiffany blue. It's the color of the water in the Maldives. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the. Yeah, yeah. It hits different. That's the only thing. Uh, Sven, thank you for joining us. This was a pleasure. Uh, the talks, the, the book out from Fidon. It's in stores everywhere right now, correct? Yes. It should be out worldwide. Wherever they sell books. The website is the-talks.com. Correct. The-talks.com. Um, all right, we'll hit your we'll hit your line next time we're, we're in Berlin, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Congratulations on the book. Please do so. Thank you, guys.